Adoption Now, telling your adoption story, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now, here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Thank you for tuning in here on 94.7 FM in Denver or on our podcast, I am the adoptive mom of four little ones. We have been down the adoption road seven times, and so we know how hard the journey is. But we also know the great joy when you finally bring the baby, child, or teenager home that you've been waiting for. Today, we have a story from Texas. Laura applied to be on the show to share their adoption journey to Haiti and what their family is doing now to help more people adopt. So if you're in the process of adopting right now, this show could help you. Laura, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me this morning. Okay, so you have three biological children. What led you to adoption? No, that's a great question. Um, so, yeah, we were at a really great p- place in our life. The baby was about to start kindergarten, and we just kept asking what was next for our family. And Lord, Lord only knew that um, adoption was starting to stir in our hearts. We had some friends that had adopted before, and my sister is actually adopted, and we just started kind of thinking about um, what was next for us, and what little clues and little little hints that the Lord gave us, um, how to kind of just start researching adoption, and through, once your eyes are open <laughs> to the needs of the world, it's really hard to close that that book, and so we just really went on a journey of finding out about everything about adoption. I would lay at night uh, in bed and just kind of read stories and programs out there to see really what the needs were. Why did you choose Haiti? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, We actually um, chose Haiti. Um, I think Haiti chose us, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, I was leading a medical mission trip to Haiti one year, and I was researching the country just to be able to give my friends a little bit of history about Haiti and the um, population that we would be serving. And um, the the statistics are really um, alarming. Um, There's a million orphans that are in Haiti, and maternal death is over 50% there. And being an OB nurse, I, that statistic really kind of shook me a little bit and figuring out a little bit more, why is there um, orphans? Why are the maternal deaths so high? And um, in the meantime, we're still, we're still researching the foster care system. We're researching China. We're researching Uganda. And then one day, um, my husband said, hey, do you remember that song I wrote about Haiti? Um, and I was like, well, yeah, I guess so. So he went out in the music room and brought the lyrics in and we all just, we just smiled and kind of teared up a little bit because five years before that, the Lord had already laid in his heart about the country of Haiti. And um, so we just thought, okay, this, this was our confirmation that Haiti was the country for us. And it's so close to us. Um, living in Texas, it's only a couple hour plane ride. Um, and the needs are so great being on this side of the hemisphere. So we thought, and we just had major confirmation that Haiti was the place for us. The mission trip that you took, I thought was so cool because you are a nurse and you went to deliver babies over there, which is very <laughs> cool. I mean, I've never even heard that. And I, I can't even imagine what that trip was like. How many babies did you help deliver? Sure. We are at a really neat place called uh, Mama Baby Haiti in Cap Haitian. And I don't remember the, the number of babies that we delivered, but there were definitely probably up until 10 or 12 babies that came in through that week we were there. Um, yeah, it's a really great program. They're really giving women a safe place to come deliver their babies and to get really good health care after the newborn and postpartum care. 
um, to avoid some of those risks that, you know, women have if they deliver at home with, you know, no clean products and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah, it really is a great program and that they're serving the community there. So your husband is a worship pastor, correct? He is. That's why he He wrote a song five years ago. I mean, I write a lot of songs, but I never sing them. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. No, but I wanted to clear that up. He is a worship pastor, and it was on his heart to adopt as well. He was on board, you said, even more than you were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He always kind of had a heart for it. And me, on the other hand, I just, I'm such a, I don't know, I want to think everything through and make sure I'm making the right decision. And we already had three kids, more than most people already have. And so to add a fourth, I was just very leery and needed some really great confirmation. And, and it's a teamwork. I mean, parenting is hard yes. in general. And so I really needed him to be on board, and he was. And so I just knew that um, the Lord, you know, he doesn't, what is the saying? He doesn't um, call the equip. He equips the call. And so I knew if our hearts were ready that he would equip us on this journey. So it took you three and a half years. Yes, girl. Um, three and a half years. It's so crazy to even say that now. Um, it took two and a half years for our paperwork to go through and to be matched with Anna. And then we had to wait, wait one year for her paperwork to go through for us to be able to go back and get her. And how old was she when you got matched? Sure. Um, she was four. She had just turned four. And um, and then she just turned five when we were finally able to go back and get her. So a little bit older probably than what we maybe wanted, if you will. Um, however, it's just very difficult to get a younger child in Haiti because the process takes so long. But after obviously knowing her and her and I sharing the middle name, um, it's it just so many little things that just confirm that she was the one for us. No matter if she was a baby or if she was 10 years old, we have total confidence that she was our child. And Wait, and, you, know, you share so. a name? What name did you share? I know, I know. So her middle name is Cherie, and that is also my middle name. <gasps> no <Cherie>. way! <laughs> yes, and so... Um, Sheree is a French name, and, um, you know, they don't put their middle names on their birth certificate, so we really didn't know until we met her. And another little girl at our guest house asked Anna one day, you know, hey, what is your name in French? And she actually said, Anna Sheree. And we both looked at each other like, what did she say? And the, the little girl spoke English because she was going to international school, and we were doing sidewalk chalk outside. And I said, hey, can you write that for me? And um, sure enough, she wrote Anna Cherie, spelled the same way that my middle name is. So it's really kind of a neat story. Yeah, I have goosebumps. (laughs) We hear that a lot in adoption. You know, a name will really give somebody confirmation and really help people fight. You know, I believe that in this process, it's hard to know what's right. That's why we always talk about the gray line, right? It's like so hard to know. Um, what's, it's not black and white in adoption. It's, it's very difficult. And so in the midst of it, you say, God, please help me know that you're in this. And so that is so cool that he did that. And so (laughs) special between the two of you. It really is. Cherie actually means something that you adore. And so it's such a sweet, um, a sweet name as well. So (laughs) did you ask for a girl? We did. Um, So, you know, the pile of paperwork that you have to go through and the checklist that you have to pray over, um, you know, we did have to pick between a boy or a girl. I probably would have chosen a boy just because we are two youngest are boys. I thought we can throw one more in the bed. Um, But we actually went to the kids and just said, hey, you know, uh, first of all, what are your thoughts about adoption? And they all three looked at us like, well, yeah, why wouldn't we help a child have a family? So then we started talking about, okay, do we want a brother or a sister? And 
our little guy, Karsten, he actually looked at us and said, well, we need a girl so we can even out our teams. <laughs> so we, we play a lot of kickball and a lot of games. And, um, and so, and then obviously looking at just the women there and the, um, just the caste system and things like that and the maternal death rate and just all the things that kind of factor into sex trafficking and women and we thought, well, I think we need a little sister. And so we check, check that mark <laughs> for a little girl. So I think it's important to get your kids on board, not only to be excited about the adoption, but we've even let our kids pick names and they're a part of everything. Oh, sure. And so they have ownership when the new baby comes in and they don't feel lost in the family, but they feel a part of the process. Talk to me about bringing her home. How did she do? Well, sure. Um, so she has been home six months now, and, um, you know, the first month was, you know, definitely difficult because everything was new, even things like danger. You know, I had to learn that word in French Creole real quick to be able to tell her that we can't run in the street or we have to stay with mom in the parking lot, and, and she didn't know hot, and so, you know, the left side of the sink was hot water, and so I had to teach her that, and she wanted to touch everything, you know, constantly just touching phones and touching computers and touching lights and just kind of a was so new um you know uh, so that was fun in, in one aspect being able to watch her giggle at the first time she could roll on the grass or um just experiencing um, new foods um, food was probably and still is i would say a little bit of an issue and a challenge um, she actually asked me a couple weeks ago we were on spring break on a little trip and We'd stop to get some dinner, and she said, am I going to get to eat? You know, and I thought, oh, my gosh, mm. even after five and a half months, she still isn't doesn't trust me yet that I'm going to feed her. And so, you know, a little bit of food hoarding, you know, when we first brought her home, she would just keep her little fruit snacks on her cheek, and she would, you know, take a nap with her, her cookie and things like that that she just didn't know that she would get this later. And so um, it's one of those things to where that was just a little bit of a transition that we had to work through, um, but... Really, um, every night, and this is kind of a, a sweet story I hope I never forget, but I, she slept with me for the first three months just because everything the social worker told us was that we needed to treat her like a newborn. And so we did a lot of skin-to-skin, and, and when she was ready, we kind of you know did a little bit more bonding and things like that. But um, I always asked her in French every night. Um, I would say, como se va? And she would always whisper back, se va bien. And so I thought, well, that gave me the the strength to keep going, that we were doing something right. Um, I thought if she said, save our mall, or that she was sad or something, then I would have to regroup. But um, every night she would just say she was good. <laughs> and so we would keep doing the same thing every day, started a routine, um, you know, got her on a good schedule, um, had quiet hour every day to make sure she rested and things like that. So um, probably the difficult part was just getting her on a routine because when you come from a place of, I don't want to say chaos, but it probably is just chaos. Mm -hmm. that there's no routine. There's no boundaries. And so um, that was difficult. Um, there were a couple of days that I cried in my closet because I thought this was very difficult. But um, but I stuck with it, and now she just thrives on routine, and she knows what's next. She's very such a happy, sweet little girl. Um, really. <laughs> makes her feel safe. Routine Fun. makes them feel safe. No, I think it's very sweet, and, and it's truth. You know, it's, it's really... It's really heartbreaking to start over when the child is five, but it sounds like you're doing all the right steps and she's getting there. We have to take a break. When we come back, okay. Laura is going to tell us more about this story and also what she's doing to give grants to people who are trying to adopt. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. 
94.7 FM, The Word. I've died every day waiting for you. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. Adoption Now is a nonprofit helping families connect to adoption through storytelling. Do you have an adoption story you would like to share? We invite you to be a part of the Adoption Now community by telling your story on our show. Come tell us about the joy and challenges you have experienced in the adoption process. Go to adoption-now.com for more information. By sharing what you have learned, we can inspire others. adoption now telling your adoption story i'm your host april fallon today we're talking to laura and she's telling us the story of of bringing their little girl home from haiti she was four when they were matched but five when she got to texas and you really had to start over your social worker told you to kind of go backwards and treat her like an infant and gradually get to a five-year-old, but you had to start over with trust, and and that can be really emotional and hard. Yes, I agree. Um, I've done the newborn, the toddler, and now the preschool section all in six months, and so, um, yeah, very overwhelming to kind of go back a little bit, but also I'm grateful that she was, like, she was ready. Her heart was ready for a family. She was eager to snuggle once they taught her what mommy's role is and how important it was that, you know, she had a little surgery a couple of months ago. And uh, before she had her surgery, I had to tell her that, you know, mommy will be there for you. I'll never leave your side. I'm going to snuggle you when you're hurting. Um, you're going to get some ice cream. You know, we're, we're going to be there as a family to support you. Well, because I was just concerned about here, we brought her home mm-hmm. and now we're going to make her have pain. <laughs> And she's going to be like, what in the world are you doing to me? And so I took a long time to talk to her about my role afterwards. Well, the second day after her surgery, um, she verbalized to me. She said, Mommy, she said, my tummy hurts. Can you hold me? Mm. And I was so grateful for that moment because I thought, okay, Lord, thank you that you, you know, she feels comfortable with me, that she knows what my role is. I'm here to hold her. Because there wasn't a lot of people. I mean, there were so many children that the nannies did the best they could that they, you know, they weren't snugglers or, you know, held, held them when they were hurt. And so a lot of times when she would get hurt, I would have to tell her, come sit with mommy. Mommy will make it, you know, help you feel better. And so because she just would want to, like, stand off and kind of, like, be in a frozen state versus allowing me to comfort her. So we had to teach a lot of that at the beginning. So Tell us the duck story. Okay, so um, right now we're still talking about trust. Um, now that she's talking so much, I joke, I'm like, she didn't say much the first couple of months, but once she's learned English, man, she doesn't shut up. <laughs> she talks all day long. But um, So a lot of times now we're also five, and so she's kind of pushing back a little bit about um, maybe obeying all the time. And so I we live um, in a nice little area that has some lakes near us, and so I took her to the lake and I showed her how the, the mama ducks and the baby ducks are, are in the lake and how the baby ducks just follow right behind mama. And if mama turns left, then the baby ducks go left. And if mama turns right, the mama ducks, the baby ducks turn right. And I said, you know, the reason why they follow mama is because they trust her and she's never let them down. And, and so we actually been talking a lot about that. And her and my, one of my sons actually made up a little song about it, like if mama turns right, 
<laughs> on Aww. the fence, right? You know, and so they kind of joke about it. But she every day we just see the ducks. I'm like, don't forget, you know, the the baby ducks are trusting their mama, and and she's always like, yes, ma'am, I trust you, you know. And um, on Good Friday, we were talking about how Jesus sat on the cross, and she goes. Yes, ma'am. I trust you. You know, uh. so cute because she, even when that story, she still remembers her little line that she has to. You know, she trusts me, and um, she's she's come a long way. But she has definitely an, an, a soft heart that she wants to please. And but you know, she's also five, and so just trying to realize that you can't have icing for breakfast, but you know, we can have icing later on when we ice a cupcake for dessert. You know, so mm-hmm. just trying to uh, let her know that. Trust me and um, what decisions for her. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that what you're saying is if you're going to adopt, you have to be dedicated. You have to be dedicated to that process. It is not always yeah. easy and it's heartbreaking at times to think about what your child went through before you got them and to help them process loss, but at the same time, help them trust you as a parent and to think that they wouldn't trust you because adults have failed them in some way is heartbreaking. And it's hard for a mom to pull her emotions together to give the (laughs) child what the child needs. And it can be really exhausting, but it sounds like you're taking it day by day and that she's doing great. I want to say I adore her. I watched that video (laughs) and I'm going to post it on my Facebook. That video is adorable. And she reminds me of my son who also likes to be on camera and (laughs) she seems so loving and kind. She seems like a very kind girl. She really is. I have a picture of her when we were at the orphanage that she was um, giving her leftover food to the babies that were on the ground crawling. And it was such a candid moment because at that moment I realized before she was even legally ours that she had such a caring heart. You know, and I love that because I'm a nurse as as well. And so I think, oh, I wonder maybe one day she'll be a nurse. She's got that, that caring, um, you know, heart. But, um, but yeah, she, you're right. You're absolutely right. How are your biological children with her? No, that's a great question. You know, um, it's funny. I, of course, you always worry about your biological children. That's kind of like probably one of your biggest fears. You never want to. I don't know, make them feel that they're not worthy or um, loved as much. And so, you know, the journey took three and a half years. So, of course, they, too, had to wait three and a half years. And we had a great opportunity to be able to bring them with us to Haiti to pick her up because I just didn't want to rob them of that opportunity to, number one, be be with us as a family as we picked her up, but also to see Haiti and experience that. And um, so, you know, the first couple weeks, I think we all looked at each other like, oh my gosh, she's like touching everything and so loud and what are we going to do? And, um, but then now that she settled down and she just loves so well, she loves hard. She really does from a little girl from a hard place. I'm grateful that she knows how to love and I'm grateful for the nannies, I guess, who really, protected her from some things but she loved those kids so hard and um, I've kind of secretly talked to each of them separately and just kind of said hey you know how do you think it's going you know and each one of them have said the same thing they said it's so much better than I thought so I'm grateful for that but that's just the Holy Spirit you know because you know and I know we might have some harder days maybe when she's 16 or, you know, or maybe even next week. But right now she loves those kids and she's always like running to them at the bus stop and, 
you know, when they leave, hey, I love you, have a good day, you know, and so she's very caring, and, and they see that in her, and they each have a very unique relationship with her. We have, one of them is definitely her favorite, <laughs> um, but she definitely um, has a unique relationship with all three of them, and it's been fun to kind of see that kind of blossom as well. That's cool. It's probably helpful that they were older and they could understand as well. And I love that you took them with you. You know, we had a story from Canada and when they picked up their youngest daughter, they also took their sons and on the hard days, it helped their sons because they said, we saw where she came from. And even though it's really, really hard, we never want her to go back to that place. We saw that those living conditions were not good. And so it helped them embrace that this is, this is what we're doing, but look how much better it's going to be. So let's all work together to help her feel loved and comfortable and work through these issues. And so I think it's important to take your children, if they're old enough, on the journey with you. It's got to be a family decision. Everybody's got to be in it to win it because they're not easy days every single day. And it does take a lot of family effort. And when one is tired, I love that she goes to one of the favorites because that kind of gives you a break, mom. I mean, you know, she's bonded with another person in the family and some people are afraid of that. And I think personally, it's great because they have each other and sibling bond is really important, whether it's blood or not. I love the part of your story also that you did meet her birth mother and she had siblings that got adopted in Alaska and you're going to have an open adoption with them. That is so cool. No, it really is a great story. I love that our family has actually kind of doubled just through the adoption process, not just the child, but also another family. Um, they're quite a bit older than Anna, but they were at a different orphanage, and they've been waiting for a long time for a family. And we actually got to meet them and kind of just questioned, um, okay, what is our role in this? Like, we, we can't just turn a blind eye, but we felt like the Lord clearly said, your role is to pray for them. And so we began to pray, and about six months later, I get a phone call from a lady who was actually questioning about the orphanage. I didn't know she was adopting um, the siblings, said, and so I finally said, hey, well, who are you, who did you get matched with? And when she told me the, the kids' names, I just broke down in tears because I thought, I said, oh my gosh, I said, I, I didn't know your name, but we have been praying for you. <laughs> and so I said, we're adopting their little sister, and so it was such a neat little a neat little bond, and um, and so yeah, they actually just went home a couple weeks ago, um, so all the way from Haiti to Alaska, and me and um, the Robin have been talking, and we've agreed that once the kids get settled, we'll start maybe some once a month FaceTime time where the kids can still stay connected and be able to um, you know watch each other grow, but also to share their experiences and that connection that they'll always have that we don't want to take from them because they've lost so much already. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to still um, be in contact with a sibling, so we want to try our best to, to do that. So yeah, that is, I just love that part of your story. Okay. So the video that I was talking about that I'm going to post on my Facebook, you guys started a foundation and you give grants to families who are adopting because you know how expensive it is. And let me tell you, from someone who did receive a grant on our last daughter, she was $24,000, even though it was a blood sibling and they called us to get her. It still cost us so much with all the travel and lawyer's fees and yeah. agencies. And when we got, and we only got a small grant, it helped us tremendously. Number one, because you believe 
people believe in you. You know, people are in this journey with you. It can just be so expensive with the next thing that you have to pay. And so you guys are helping families. This video that you have, you are actually going to a family with Anna, with your daughter, (laughs) and she's telling the story and you guys are giving the family a grant. Yes, I mean, this This foundation has definitely been such a blessing for us to continue to stay in the adoption world as well, because our plate is full. <laughs> Four kids is probably, it's definitely what, what we believe is good for our family. But yes, yeah, so we started this foundation about um, last May, and we were able to give our first grant. I wanted to give one grant, but we were able to raise enough money to give two grants. And so the video that you're talking about is that we were able to surprise both families, and one of them we FaceTimed, and one of them we were able to go up to Dallas and surprise them with this grant. But the beautiful story I love about the Dallas family is that we gave them an amount that it was exactly what they were needing to finish up their adoption process, and we had no idea. Um, They, of course, filled out a long application, and we had to have references and everything like that, but we had no idea about the amount that they needed. Um, but when we gave them the grant, it was the exact amount that they needed to finish wow. their adoption. And so we've enjoyed just seeing how God works in that as well. And the funny thing is that we found a lot of people through our journey that um, will look at us and say, oh, I would love to adopt, but and that was just the financial part of it. And we don't have a money tree. We just were grateful that every time we had a payment, the Lord provided and and so, um, but then we also met people who would say, oh, girl, I don't want any more children, but um, I would buy a shirt or, you know, I would right. love to be able to, we're too old. I, I could be a hundred dollar a month donor. That is so great. Okay. It's called Inspiring Orphan Care, the Anna Sheree Foundation. What's your website? Yeah, sure. It's um, www.inspiringorphancare.com. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Laura. Oh, thank you for having me. This was definitely a special um, treat for me as well. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. If you'd like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com. You can also find them on Facebook or Instagram. Join us next week as we bring you another adoption story on 94.7 FM.